I'm Doug Anderson with Lucetto Ranch in Rio Grande City, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's time once again for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the heat continues and drought is returning across much of Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We have some very full Playa Lakes in the Texas High Plains right now. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the role those playas play in recharging the Ogallala Aquifer. The State of Texas Agriculture from the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from Commissioner Sid Miller on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Heat is the main topic for extreme South Texas. Water levels continue to drop, irrigation demand is outrageous, and field crews, well, they're battling heat injury. We'll have those stories and more today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We enjoyed a nice break from drought this spring as Texas was drenched with rain in just about every corner of the state. But an onslaught of 100-plus temperatures are drying out the state fast. No relief in sight for Texas, where triple-digit heat has been the rule going all the way back to mid-June. That heat is starting to take a toll on rangeland, pastures, and soil moisture. So we have drought returning in parts of Texas and also developing in parts of the southwest as the heat goes on and on. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, who says the high heat and lack of rainfall is taking a toll on Texas pastures. We do see the pastures and rangelands deteriorating in Texas. As of July 16th, we do see in Texas almost half of the rangeland and pastures rated very poor to poor. And at the same time, Texas reporting topsoil moisture currently running about two-thirds, 66%, very short to short. So again, the impacts are mounting in those areas where the heat has lasted for a month or more. Rippey says Texas has experienced triple-digit temperatures for longer this year than any other state in the nation. Carbon contracts are very new, so it can be hard to understand exactly what's in one. 
To help Texas landowners considering a carbon contract, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has released a new guide to understanding and evaluating those contracts. Extension Ag Law Specialist Tiffany Dow-Lashmet and Carly Causey co-authored the paper that includes a list of key concepts and terms in carbon contracts. In her Texas Agriculture Law blog, Lashmet said it is critical for landowners to understand that every contract is different and the devil is in the details. A link to the guide and a two podcast episodes on carbon contracts is available on the Texas Agriculture Law blog at agrilife.org backslash TXAG law. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Some Texas farm organizations are supporting a new resolution in Congress designed to show congressional support for checkoff programs. Representative Barry Moore of Alabama introduced the legislation supporting commodity research and promotion boards. The resolution is endorsed by the Texas Farm Bureau, the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, and National Sorghum Producers, which is based in Lubbock. There are some very full playa lakes in the Texas High Plains right now. James Hunt takes a look at the role those playa lakes play in recharging the Ogallala Aquifer. Thanks to the heavy amount of rain received in recent months, if you drive around the Texas High Plains these days, you're going to see a lot of playa lakes with a lot of water in them. In fact, some experts will tell you it's been about 20 years since the last time our region has had so many playas that were so full. To discuss the importance of playas, I talked with Heather Johnson. Johnson is the program leader for the Texas Playa Conservation Initiative. We use the term of tomorrow's water. So this is our tomorrow's water. This is our water in the future. Yes, our future water, as the water that descends through the soil from playas, makes an important contribution to the recharge of the Ogallala Aquifer. With so many playas having filled up, Johnson believes that what's been accumulated this year will provide an above-average amount of that recharge, but the results won't immediately show up in farmers' wells. It's not instant. It can take anywhere from 5 to 50 years for that water that we received this spring to actually reach the aquifer. That's obviously a slower rate than many would like, but Johnson says rather than trying to do anything to assist the recharge, it's best to let nature do what it does best. Let the plyas be plyas, let them function the way that they need to function. If we try altering or putting holes in them, you open yourself up for other issues. I know it's been tried back in the 50s where they tried punching holes or, you know, the tailwater pits, you know, thinking that you get faster recharge. What actually ends up happening is you get sediment. And you're also allowing yourself to get more contamination into our aquifer, which we don't want. Heather Johnson says the main objective of the Texas Playa Conservation Initiative is to work with producers in restoring playas. We'll talk about that effort in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This has been a very good year so far for agriculture here in Texas, especially when you compare it to last year. Tom Nicoletti sits down with the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture for an update. Texas Commissioner of Agriculture Sid Miller sat down with me recently to address the status of farming and ranching midway through 2023. 
Last year, of course, the state went through a tremendous, devastating drought. There are still many counties that are still uh, suffering from extremely dry conditions, but other regions have received ample rainfall, and here we are in 2023. Your assessment of the state of agriculture at this point? Well, it's kind of all over the place right now. West Texas has also had a huge flood out there, 6,000 cows drowned in, the, in a feedlot. We had a dairy barn catch fire, and, and uh, we lost 18,000 dairy cows. Crop conditions are, I would say, for the most part, poor to very poor in a lot of those areas. There are some areas where we've got ample rainfall and the hay crop looks good. We still have no carryover hay from this last winter, so hay prices are still going to be high this time. You're not going to find those $40 and $50 round bells. Those are, those are $100 and $110 now. So it's, it's a challenging time. There are some bright spots. Cattle prices are high as they've ever been, but some of the commodity prices are low. Like cotton is, is down, uh, wheat and corn are down, so it's feast or famine, but that's nothing new in agriculture. Now the row crops are are growing this summer in Texas. We've got some harvest going on, but the one thing that uh, we're seeing is uh, that the pastures are now starting to dry up because of the excessive heat and humidity that many regions have already sustained, uh, and we're just starting the early summer. In South Texas, cotton crop is not very good. They had a lot of early rain, but then it turned off hot and dry, and it seems like those cotton plants are are starting to suffer. But our winter garden area was was pretty good this spring. some good production there. That is Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The heat is on in deep South Texas with water in high demand. Jim Hearn has the story from the Rio Grande Valley. The extreme heat continues for all of South Texas. Extreme South Texas is seen temperatures 105 and higher, heat indexes ranging 110 to 115, and there's really no relief in sight. Now, the range country has seen temperatures 110 and higher. Pastures are still living off those early spring rains that we had, but they're starting to show a lot from the extreme heat. The citrus crop is holding steady. Fruit is growing very slowly now because of the extreme heat. We're seeing a lot of sun scald on the exposed fruit. And irrigation crews, well, they can't keep up with the two-week irrigation demand. Schedules for water districts, well, they've still got water, but we're no doubt going to see limited supplies around the corner real soon. Now, the easiest way to see the difference right now between dry land and irrigated land because of the heat, the harvesting, of course, sorghum is underway. Corn is drying down. It's going to be harvested. Corn looks good. The cotton crop, well, it's filling up from the top to the bottom with bowls. Watermelons, well, they're finished here for the most part. That harvest has now moved north as well. The water supplies for the valley continue to decline. Early spring rains really helped us push Falcon Reservoir to 22.5% full. 30 days later, right now, we're at 15%. We're falling rapidly. Only stopped 47% three months ago. Now, today, we're seeing a steady decline. We're down to about 38%. Well, things that Amistad and Falcon, they're only going to get worse until we get heavy rains. This is Jim Hearn in the River and Valley. An owl found in parts of South Texas has been listed as threatened. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And blister beetles are common in some alfalfa fields. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Blister beetles are common in some alfalfa fields. Dr. Bob Judd says that can be a major concern for livestock if those beetles get trapped in the hay. Adult blister beetles are attracted to blooming alfalfa fields and those containing goldenrods and dandelions. If beetles are active at the time of baling the hay, some of them can be crushed by the hay crimper and will remain in the hay. The blister beetles contain a toxic chemical called cantharidin and can lead to severe inflammation and death in horses. Horses will have ulcers in the mouth, irritation of the gastrointestinal tract, and painful urination. Many of these horses develop severe colic and must be euthanized due to the pain. James Rogers from North Dakota State Extension indicates at Drovers.com that cattle and sheep are much more tolerant of cantharidin than horses, but they can also develop depression, elevated temperatures, and dehydration. Blister beetles tend to swarm in the fields, and so they can be present in some hay bales, but not all. It is critical to examine the hay for the presence of blister beetles before feeding. This is one reason most alfalfa fed to horses in Texas comes from out of state, as some states have less blister beetles than we do in Texas. Miranda Meehan from North Dakota State Extension indicates that cutting hay with a disc cutter that does not crimp the hay is helpful, as this allows the beetles the opportunity to fly out of the hay after cutting. Also, allowing the hay to fully dry after cutting and before raking allows the beetles to fly out of the windrows, whereas if they are crushed, the beetles and their toxin remains in the hay. To decrease the chance of blister beetle problems, control blooming weeds near alfalfa fields and cut alfalfa at less than 10% bloom or late in the season. Always check the fields 24 hours prior to cutting the hay to make sure beetles have not moved in. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. An owl found in parts of South Texas has been listed as threatened. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has listed a small owl found in parts of South Texas as a threatened subspecies under the Endangered Species Act. The Cactus Ferruginius pygmy owl is a six-inch tall raptor that can be found in southern Arizona, southern Texas, and Mexico. FWS says there are several threats to the species, including habitat fragmentation, invasive species, and urbanization. Notable declines in the owl's numbers have been reported in northern Sonora in Mexico. FWS has already approved a 4D rule for the pygmy owl that tailors protections for it prohibiting the same activities that are outlined in the Endangered Species Act, but allowing certain exceptions. FWS says the exceptions include specific types of education and outreach activities that are already allowed under a Migratory Bird Treaty Act permit. It allows surveying and monitoring in Arizona allowed under a specific license and habitat and restoration activities coordinated with and approved by Fish and Wildlife. Fish and Wildlife is expected to propose designating critical habitat for the pygmy owl in a separate rule at a later date. 
U.S. Fish and Wildlife is proposing Endangered Species Act protections for another animal found in Texas, the Dunes sagebrush lizard. It is a small, light brown lizard up to nearly three inches long that can be found in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. It lives in sand dunes and among shinnery oak, eating insects and spiders. FWS says the lizard faces threats due to energy development, mining, and climate change. The public can comment on the proposal to list the dunes sagebrush lizard through September 1st on regulations.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle close lower, feeder cattle higher on Friday. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live and feeder cattle moved in opposite directions once again on Friday. With the live cattle market closing lower, feeder cattle higher. August live cattle down 30 cents at 180.02. October down 85, 181.90. December live cattle down 80 cents at 185.17. Feeder cattle finishing higher. August feeders up 82 cents, 245.92. September up 97 at 249.27. October feeder cattle up $1.17 at 251 even. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week, selling cattle here in the Southern Plains at 180 on a live basis. That's two bucks higher compared to last week. Up north, we saw dressed cattle sell for 295. That's 350 higher compared to the previous week's average. Boxed beef prices were mixed. Choice down two cents, three oh two fifty four. Select up a dollar eighty eight at two seventy six fifty nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox sells sheep and goats in San Angelo every Tuesday. Benny, how was this week's sale? We had sixty six forty one last week and was sold sixty six twenty three this week. About twenty. 20 head difference. It was a good deal lower, Larry. You know, it's it's just, it's that time. I suspect that would have happened before then. Uh, we had a good many scattered through there, good wool feeder lambs, you know, castrated, go to the seed lot. And actually, some of them did. That's the first time in a while that I know some went to a uh, feed lot. Uh, those lambs sold from fifteen to thirty dollars lower than what we've been seeing, uh, and and you know, and all these would, that I'm talking about would have been good castrated, good shape, you know, anywhere from sixty up to you know ninety pounds or so. Uh, the uh, slaughter lambs, the hair sheep type, they were ten to twenty dollars lower. You know, those big lambs that kind of stayed in that two five two oh five to two fifteen ish. Uh, lots of those sold down in that you know they had to bring a dollar seventy before they could bring a dollar eighty on those but most of them you know over that um the slaughter used they were 15 to 20 lower if you'll remember they bumped up pretty good last week but they were way lower the week before we shut out uh kid goats were kind of five to eight dollars higher a lot of these 
kids are really good shape. Uh, slaughter nannies, uh, they kind of softened up 110 to 151, but mostly 134 to 145. And these big old slaughter billies are just staying in there good, you know, 2 to 232 on that. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargo.com. Thank you, Benny. Yes, sir. And neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing it right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished mixed Friday. The nearby August contract was up five cents, closing at one hundred dollars sixty-seven cents. October hogs down forty-seven at eighty-four twenty-five. Class three milk closed higher. Nearby July milk up four cents, thirteen eighty-one a hundredweight. The August up forty-three cents, sixteen seventy a hundred. The cotton market was mixed on Friday. Nearby October down 85 cents, 85.08. December cotton up 17, 84.48 cents. The corn market was lower Friday on a NOAA weather forecast for August that called for milder temperatures and above normal precipitation. However, we're still looking at 54% of the Corn Belt in D1 to D4 conditions, and we have other forecasts that call for a hot and dry August. We close with September corn down 10 and a quarter, 527 a bushel. December corn down 10, 536 and a quarter. The March down 10 cents at 547 and a half. Both hard and soft wheat closed lower Friday, a very volatile week of trading for the wheat market. The Russia-Ukraine situation continues to play a big role. Of course, early in the week, Russia announced that they are pulling out of the Black Sea grain deal and will not be allowing exports of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea ports. Then Russia started attacking Ukrainian ports. So both of those things, a big factor in the wheat trade over the past week. September Kansas City wheat down 14 and a half at 860 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down 29 and a half at 697 and a half. In the energy markets, August natural gas down four cents at 270. September West Texas crude oil up $1.30, $76.95 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up a half point, 35225 The Nasdaq down 31 at 14031 The S&P up a point, 4536 That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.